You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul concludes Genesis chapter 18, noting the self-righteousness of Abraham. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, this story will prepare you to really be convinced at the end that the goodness of God towards Abraham has nothing to do with the fact that he is the good guy, because in a few verses he's going to commit the ultimate sin way before Job, that he wants to outdo God in righteousness and goodness. Okay? One more time, Sarah was put in her place, and now Abraham is going to be put in his place. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry. You see the justice of God. He has to check himself on what is going on. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Remember, you see, now we have the split between these two men, the witnesses and the Lord. So we do not have a trinity here. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will thou indeed destroy the righteous with the wicked, the Sadiq with the Rasha? These are two technical words. Sadiq is the one who is legal according to the Tzedakah. Like Dikios in Greek is from Diki, the justice. So you're very often, I draw the attention of the students, what's a righteous? He is the saint, the good man who does. No, no, no. Sadiq is a word that applies to the declaration by the judge about you. You cannot declare yourself as a Sadiq. And Rasha is the opposite. They are classic in the book of Psalms. Usually they are translated as righteous and the other one is wicked which is more powerful. Usually, Ra is the evil, Rasha is the wicked. Rasha is also the opposite of the straight, erect, Yashar, straight, like a ruler. So, here we hear that God would not do that. But Abraham started playing on this. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city, and you know how the story is lengthened. Okay, just to bore you and drill it inside you. That Abraham did not say 50, and then no, okay, I got it. No, he doesn't get it. He starts playing. Far be it from thee to do such a thing, to slay the righteous of the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Notice the judge ha shofet kol haaretz. Okay? He has to do 
lo yaase mishpat justice and the lord said if i find that some faulty righteous and so on and then abraham is caught in his own trap and he starts getting around it by saying allow me to speak i'm dust and ashes you know i mean all of us do that that's why this chapter is really very nice okay whenever they ask you to lead a retreat say i'm going to do it on genesis chapter 18 just say it nothing else especially do you in great land show the people that the only righteous one is god and he grants through his edict the righteousness to us that's why paul in galatians say we await in hope for righteousness and the same thing goes again and again i will not destroy it if i find 45 there and suppose 40 that a nice story i'm going to go quickly now because we are podcasting and taping but make sure you at home read it or better have someone read the entire half of the chapter is about this matter that's the meat of the chapter and then it goes down to 30 and goes down to 20 and then 32 oh let not the lord be angry let's be again 10 and the lord went his way when he had finished speaking to abraham and abraham returned to his place again looms ezekiel in chapter 14 remember the repetition three times of the three righteous noah daniel and job even if these three men noah daniel and job were in it they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness says the lord god and then it is repeated this is 1414 in verse 20 and again repeated a third time the importance of three and ezekiel is the prophet that stresses the importance of the individual accountability even if noah daniel and job were in it as i live says the lord very powerful he swears by himself he is the high they would deliver neither son nor daughter it's an attack against if you like the family in bulk they would deliver but their own lives so you have to be careful not to misunderstand circumcision which appeared in the previous chapter that you are among the circumcised the christians and we are a member of the holy community of god and god will no no the judgment is individual okay everyone will have to answer this is how the chapter ends and it is an invitation to you to understand and realize and when you're reading further 
that God proceeds to fulfill his plan because he's going to do that. He's going to give to Isaac to Abraham and Sarah in spite of Abraham. Okay? And here it's very important because it is in spite not only Abraham, we finished his cycle until 17, now Abraham, Abraham. Very interesting, and I would like to end on this note, because people can use that, but now we have Abraham with the circumcision, we have a different person. You know, Orthodox love to talk like that after chrismation or ordination as a different person and you give another name like to the monks and nuns and priests and so on. Thus, you imagine that you have changed. But the Bible tells you, whatever your name is, you are still the same. And one should accept this more readily after having heard that Abraham is presented like Noah and we know the rest of the story of Noah. So, I know people say, bring Paul in the well. Paul got the message that self-righteousness is an oxymoronic statement. The quintessential self-righteous is Job. Because he was convinced that he didn't do anything wrong, his conclusion, thus I'm righteous. But that's not the meaning of the word Sadiq. You have to be declared righteous by God. And let me go back to one of the central verses that I'm doing this to Abraham so Abraham would charge, command his children after him to keep the way of the Lord. And only then the promise of God will be implemented. And I said that with this, we are into the new covenant of Ezekiel. In verse 12, you mentioned the connection between Sarah and Zion. Sarah laughed in her midst. Usually in Hebrew, when someone speaks to themselves or laughs to themselves, it's to their heart, belibo. But here it says Bikirba, which is in her midst, which sounds like the expression of a city. Then the second thing within the same verse is when it says the translation, will I have pleasure? The word that it uses is Edna, which is the same as Eden, the pleasure of the garden. So the connection between in her midst at the beginning and then will it be Edna, which sounds like the feminine of Eden, to her. And I'm wondering if that relates to the heavenly Zion that you were mentioning as you were talking about this verse. All I can say, it could be. You pointed out these two things. I didn't notice them because I wanted to go just through the chapter and so on. They are well taken. However, the connotation here, the total connotation from the story, you know how in literature you can say something in one direction or the other, okay? Like modern American, hot means cool and cool means hot and so on. So it's it. I think here it is more that she wanted to hide her laughter. 
because notice she says, no, I did not laugh. I mean, if you hear the story per se, and then the other one is more interesting for me that there is a play on a Eden, Eden that will appear again later in Isaiah. So you have a point there. So long, according to me, I mean, it's your point. You can make it the way you want. So long as you remember that Sarah is presented negatively here. The new Sarah is to come later, you know, the play between Jerusalem and Zion. The same thing with Abraham. And that, I believe, should never be lost from the total view. If it is in the texts, and according to me, it is there. Otherwise, the way I heard you could be taken by a hearer that, oh, here Sarah is really the new Jerusalem Zion, and then you make the other step that Abraham is, after all, in spite of his silliness, he was really the right man. I think that this will contradict Ultimately, even the text you're referring to in Isaiah, where the prophet stresses that it is God who's going to multiply the children of Zion and not she. Okay, so I'm very thankful that you pointed this out, but then the tension is very important. And that's why I like to refer very often to that text, because it's right there within three chapters where Noah moves from a superman for whose sake God did not destroy the world. And then the author at the end makes sure that you do not think that really the superhero is Noah. And he makes him look bad so that you would never, ever, ever forget that all good things are done by God ultimately. So I'm grateful to the conversation and I hope it's better to leave it like this so that the hearers would do their own work and decide for themselves. You hit forcefully on the self-righteousness of Abraham, which is often lost on modern hearers of the text. And then in your commentary on Genesis, you point out a connection between Abraham's self-righteousness and entitlement in verse 23, and well, in that section of the chapter, and Isaiah chapter 6, where the prophet questions, how long, O Lord? Can you say something or elaborate on that connection? Once the judgment is issued, you cannot argue against God that he may be wrong. That's what Abraham and Isaiah did. Wrong in the sense, not necessarily wrong, but he overdid it. No, God does not overdo anything. But then... He's still in control. Notice how in Isaiah you have at the end thrown something which is oxymoronic, meaning that 
when you have two trees that you want chopped, you ask someone to chop them with the hope or the intention that the stump would not grow into another tree. That would be silly. Why are you paying money to chop down the two trees? A stump is just a sign there was a tree there. It is only God that can make out of a dry land something watery, out of a stump a new seed. And I spent much time on my counter. Notice the word. The new stump is a seed. In other words, a new beginning. But it gives you hope because it's the stump that is the seed. Because very often we like to imagine that the old generation disappeared. Now we start anew. The story of the flood does not allow this. It's the same humanity that was given another chance. But this second chance is the ultimate chance according to Ezekiel. <laughs> Because now, you don't have a heart of stone. You have a heart of flesh, as at the beginning. And make sure the law is written on your heart. That's the intention of the two texts and the parallelism between them. Both Abraham and Isaiah overbid God in both his righteousness and goodness. And that is something we all do. I can see the faces of people when I'm touching on this topic in my presentations and retreats I do. I can read. They are very uneasy. Because somehow they want to leave convinced or propped into they are not really that bad. But that's not how the Bible works. Again, to quote Isaiah, who launched this new covenant on the heart and the new spirit and so on, with Jeremiah, obviously, where he says... Neither the fathers nor you. You're not going to listen to me. Already everybody is doomed. And that reminds me of Psalm 50 or 51. So that you would be shown righteous in your judgment. I mean, how can a judge be shown righteous in the judgment if he issues a negative verdict that proves to be wrong. Positive verdict, that's not the issue, but the negative verdict. And Psalm 50 is right there to remind us of this. We have really three texts here, Psalms and Isaiah and Genesis, and I showed in both commentaries how these two books, especially Isaiah, is connected to Psalms. If I hear suddenly on the website that a few Lutherans and Orthodox who listen to my podcast felt righteous, you are to blame Father Mark, not I. 
sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take the blame, Father Paul. Then I won't end up in Abraham or Isaiah's position. Thank you very much, okay. Father Paul. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Thank you so much, Father Paul. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 